Welcome to New Season Ministry with Evangelist Jeremy Cook. We hope today's message will challenge, encourage, and uplift you in your walk with the Lord. Enjoy the message. The book of 1 Kings chapter 17 tonight. Going to just read one verse of scripture to you as a springboard to where I want to get us to tonight. And uh, we've we've heard about Elijah this morning, and we're going to continue to talk about Elijah tonight. And so I want to share with you what the Lord uh, began speaking to me. And uh, I want to share that with you. So just one verse of scripture. We're just going to use as a text tonight, 1 Kings chapter 17 and verse number 1. This is what I want to focus in on tonight. 1 Kings chapter 17 and verse 1. The Bible says, Now Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand... There shall not be dew nor rain these years except by my word. I want to talk to you tonight about Elijah, but I want to relate that to the church. I want to relate that to the believer tonight. And I want to talk to you on the thought of walking in divine authority. I want to talk to you tonight about walking in divine authority. You may be seated in the house tonight. There's a lot of teaching. There's a lot of teaching in the church today and in this season about how God's power is released in our lives. What they're really talking about is divine authority. What they're really talking about is a power that rest in you that is available to you that lives inside every blood-bought, sanctified, Holy Ghost-filled believer, you have that divine authority or you have that divine power that rests on the inside of you that is available to you because of your relationship with the Lord tonight. Can somebody say amen? And when, whenever this subject of divine authority or this divine power comes up, I think of Elijah the prophet because his life illustrates the divine authority God is wanting to endow us or to endue us with, especially for the times that we are living in right now. How many knows that the season that we're living in, the time that we're living in, the darkness that is in this world right now, the darkness that is encroaching in on our nation, it requires a people that are filled with the Spirit with the Spirit and with the power of God to rise up and to declare the authority that we have in Jesus Christ. Elijah lived, listen to me, Elijah lived in a period a lot like ours. It was one that was marked by spiritual decline. 
It was one that was marked where honoring God was at an all-time low. There was strife in Israel at that time when God's people were divided into two kingdoms. You had Samaria to the north and you had Judah in the south. The Samaritans' faith became corrupted because they allowed the other religions to mix in with the Judaism at that time. Ahab the king was a notorious king behind all of this because he took God's ways lightly. First Kings chapter 16 and verse 31 would say that it had been a light thing for Ahab to do all of these things that were contrary to the word of God. Under Ahab's rule, the people were sitting free from freely and felt no conviction over sin. If there was sexual immorality or bribery, it was no big deal. Ahab even tolerated the children's sacrifices, erecting altars to the terrible religion of Baal. He did it all for greed to keep the tithe in the tax monies pouring in for, for from the religious source. Come on, you ain't going to help me preach right now, but I'm preaching good. The Bible says that this wicked man, Ahab, committed more evil than anybody in history up at that time. Because the Bible would tell us, and Ahab did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all that were before him. Seems like that we're living in those times right now. It seems like that we're living in a it seems like that we're living in a time where it's just casual Christianity. Where it's just casual it's just it's just Christianity light or it's Pentecost light or or we don't want to take it all that seriously. We're living right now especially in America. We're living in a time of spiritual uh, spiritual degeneration. Experts right now tonight church are telling us that they say that the world has never seen the kind of downturn that it is seen right now that we are experiencing not only in our nation but in the world right now. They are saying that atheism and agnosticism has risen sharply in just in the last handful of years. And since the start of the pandemic, people are leaving the church in droves. I believe that this is happening because Satan knows that his time is short. I believe that all that we are seeing in this in this area, in this arena right now, is all happening because Satan knows that his time is short and he's using every weapon imaginable to chip away at the power and the divine authority that the church has not just in the cultural expressions but also in the very heart of the people of God you see here's the issue here's the issue most followers of Jesus today were facing some sort of conflict you see, in some parts of the globe, they're laying down their lives for this. You see, but here in America, we're facing a fierce cultural battle over the Christian faith. Everywhere that we look, it seems, it seems like that people are struggling. Especially people of the church, people of the faith, people of the way. They're struggling with their finances. They're struggling in their marriages. 
They're struggling with the church. Right now, they're, right now they, they, have, they have told us that since 2020, almost half of our pastors have walked away from their churches. I want you to think about that. They're telling us that since the onslaught of the pandemic, that close to 50% of our pastors have resigned and walked away because they can't deal with it anymore. Not only our leaders, not only, not, not only our ministry leaders, but the very foundations of our beliefs are being shaken. And some Christians are withdrawing completely from the faith. Others right now are choosing a more casual faith than before. Right, yeah. Well, let's just, let's just be casual. Let's let, let, let's not let's not be too serious. Let's not be too dogmatic. Let's not be too fanatical. And such spiritual practices that were once important, like prayer and fasting, are now being taken lightly. Oh, I'm preaching better than you're shouting right now. The truth is, but here is the truth. The truth is, is that God has a role. For each of us to play in this season right now. Okay, here we go. It is not just for the evangelist. It is not just for the pastor. It is not just for the prophet. It is not just for the teacher. It is not just for the pastor or the associate pastor. But everyone who is called upon the name of the Lord. Everyone who has been blood bought, sanctified. He has a role for each of us. We've all been called. Listen, you have been called to bring hope and life to a lost and a dying world. Especially in this hour. Let me ask you. Have you been tempted to compromise? Have you been tempted to just take your ease in Zion right now? Have you just been tempted to say, well, we understand that this is the last days because the Bible has already declared that we are living in the last days. So maybe I just need to hold on until the trumpet sounds and we're called out of here. No, sir, no, ma'am. That is not God's will for you and that is not God's will for me. We are people of the kingdom. We are kingdom people. And God's will for the kingdom is for us not to simply just to, just to hang on until the trumpet sounds and the rapture takes place. I'm a rapture believer. I believe in the rapture of the church. I believe that a trumpet's going to sound and the dead in Christ are going to rise first. Then we which are alive and remain are going to be called up together to meet the Lord in the air. But until that time, I'm reminded of the words of Jesus when he said, Occupy until I come. Do business until I come. I'm also reminded of the words of Jesus where he said, The kingdom of heaven suffered violence and the violent take it by force. It is time for you and I to get up in these last days and just demonstrate the authority that we have. Oh. 
we have been given divine authority in Christ. And right now the enemy of our souls is doing all that he can to rob us of it. Elijah's example is meant to instruct us during such times. His life tells us how we are to stand firm in our darkest hour. That we can resist the temptation to take our ease. That we can, we can withstand every onslaught of the devil. Because God himself has imparted unto us his authority for kingdom purpose. Okay, let me take about 30 seconds here right now. I want to remind this church of one little thing. If you are saved, sanctified, and baptized in the Holy Ghost. Now, I know that for a lot of us, for a lot of people, that's archaic. We think that just being saved unlocks the power. But let's just do a little Bible. Let's just do a little Bible teaching. No, ma'am. No, sir. Yeah. You've got to be. The old timers used to say it like this: "I'm saved, sanctified, and I'm filled with the precious Holy Ghost." Okay, here we go. I'm just going to preach a little holiness here for just a minute, Pastor. If that's okay. You can't live however that you want to live and, ex- and, 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 and expect to have the power of God in your life. I'm just going to. I'm going to preach it like I feel it right now. You can't cuss a little bit. You can't drink a little bit. You can't smoke a little bit. You can't do this and you can't do that and you still expect to have the power of God in your life. Because I'm still reminded of the Bible that says, "Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord." a lot of amens on that one, but that's okay. I'm going to preach the Bible to you. Is that alright? If you've been saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost, this power is available to you. Yesterday as I was as I was going over Scripture, as I was looking at Scripture, I came across this. This is one of the Lord, one of the things that the Lord spoke to me, and I have two points that I want to make. That's all I want to do. I've only preached for 14 minutes. I've got two points that I want to make to you right now. Number one, in the darkest hour of both this nation and the church, the Elijahs need to stand up. Yes. Yes. Amen. Amen. Yes. Yes. We are living in a dark time. We are living in a dark nation. We are living in a dark world. And church, the darkness is encroaching on the church. But in the midst of an evil nation, and in the midst of the darkness in the church, there was an Elijah that stood up. Elijah could have easily compromised himself like everyone else around him was doing. He could have joined with the others who said, well, you know what, you don't really need to be that intense. You don't need to be so fanatical. Why are you getting so stirred up about everything? It's better just simply just to roll with the punches. Just let bygones be bygones. Just 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 just, just let it go. But instead, here was Elijah's attitude. First Kings chapter 17 and verse 1 would say it like this. 
now Elijah, now Elijah the Tishbite of the sons of Gilead said to Ahab. So he spoke to this wicked and this perverse generation. He spoke to this wicked and perverse system that was going on. And he said, as the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And every phrase of this verse is packed with meaning for us. Let me start by saying up to this point. Up to this point we have no idea who Elijah was. I don't know who Elijah was before 1 Kings chapter 17. There was no mention of Elijah. There was no pedigree for Elijah. Scripture doesn't tell us anything about Elijah. Nothing here suggests that he was significant in any way. There was no words of qualification. He wasn't ordained. And he wasn't a bishop. And he wasn't an apostle. And he wasn't this. And he wasn't that. And he didn't go to Bible college. He didn't have an education. He didn't have a training for the position that he was. Yet to me, there's no more powerful phrase than when we're introduced to this man in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of the corruption, in the midst of everything. All of a sudden, the Bible says, Now Elijah stood up and he spoke to it all. Oh, so let me ask you this. I'm getting ready. I, listen, I, I'm getting ready to preach here. Let me ask you something. Fill in your own name there. You want to look at it and say, now Tony, now Johnny, now Darlene, now Amber, now Creamley, now Jeremy. Now when we see all of this that is arising and is going on in our worlds right now, could it be said of us that God looked down through the eons of time and said in a dark and a perverse generation, harvest time stood up, harvest time began to speak, harvest time began to declare, harvest time began to prophesy, harvest time began to speak to the evil that was going on in this world. My God, I hope it sparks faith in you. Because God is calling each and every one of us to be a child of action in this kingdom. Oh. You may be you may be thinking to yourself, who am I? Who am I to affect anything? I get so tired of that. Churches in a minute. Okay, here we go. I'm going to preach it for about a minute here. Churches in America are struggling right now. I'm going to tell you something. Don't get mad at me. Don't get. Don't fall out with me. You, you, you have. You have. You can even disagree with me. But what I've been seeing is this: the church in America is not experiencing revival. The church in America is not experiencing revival. We've got revival all wrong. We think a revival is, is to get the evangelists to come in. We think that if we shout high enough and we scream loud enough, we run the aisles and we run the aisles fast enough, and somehow that is somehow or another that that is revival. Now I know that there are I know that there are churches. I know there are pockets of people. I understand that there are pockets of believers that are that, that are expe- that are experiencing a move of God. But by and large, the church of America is deader than a doornail. You know how I know? 
Because as an evangelist, I talk. I talk to a lot of pastors. And I'll ask them, when's the last time somebody got saved in your service? When was the last time? I know I'm preaching this still. When's the last when's the last time? When's the last time? When's the last time somebody got saved in your service? When's the last when's the last time somebody truly walked the old walked the aisle to an old-fashioned altar of repentance and they gave their heart and life to God? You see, what I okay, here we go. I think that we're just so comfortable. And we're so comfortable of the church just having church. We come together with our four and no more, and we and nobody else is showing up. Nobody else is doing this. Nobody else is doing that. And it's always the same people doing this, and it's always the same people doing that. But nobody knew who's ever walking through the door. Nobody knew who's ever getting saved. Nobody ever knew who's ever getting healed. Nobody knew who's ever getting delivered and set free. But we want to come to God and we want to shot that hot die and fall out on the floor and say that we're having revival. No man, no sir. I want to tell you revival is when the people are set free. When the hearts are, when the children's hearts are turned back to the Father. Then you see revival. Yeah. Yeah. You sound like you're mad. I am mad. I'm mad at the church. Come on. Not experiencing the genuine move of God. And I hear people all the time, they sit back and they say things like, well, I would do something, but I, you know, you know, Pastor Tony, I'm just a nobody. I, I ain't smart. I ain't intelligent. And the whole time, the enemy sits back and laughs. And snickers because he's saying, I have, I have stifled the flow of the power in the authority that they actually have access to. Reminds me of the story. I'm going to get to my notes here in just a minute. Reminds me of the story of the little boy. Who's about seven or eight years old, and he's out in the yard playing, and he spots this giant boulder in the back yard. So he thinks that he's going to be macho and he's going to push that boulder to the other side of the yard. And try as he would with all of his might, all of his might, he can't budge that boulder one bit. Can't do anything to move. I mean, he can't even, he can't even make it rock. And he tries upon for hours upon hours upon hours to do this. Finally, he walks back into the house so exhausted and defeated and, and just falls down in the living room floor. And his daddy is sitting there and says, Son, what have you been doing? That little boy looked up at him and said, I've been out there trying to move. That boulder. He goes, well, have you made any progress? Were you able to get it moved? He says, no, Daddy. I haven't been able to, to, to move it. He says, well, have you done everything that you possibly could do to get it moved? 
He goes, yes, Daddy. I've done everything that I know to do. He said, did you use all your strength? Yes, Daddy. I've used all of my strength. He said, did you use all the power that was available to you to move that boulder? He said, yes, Daddy, I did. He said, no, you haven't. He says, because not one time did you ever come in here and ask me whether or not if I'd go out there and help you move that boulder. Because you didn't ask. You didn't, you didn't use all the power that was available to you. My God, I'm going to preach in this house right now. Nobody else says amen. I want to tell you, the church of the living God has been trying to do things in their own strength and their own ability. And the enemy has, has messed with them on their shoulder telling them, you know what? You're nothing. You're a nobody. You don't have the education. You don't have the degree. You don't have the pedigree. You don't have the right upbringing. But I hear a father up in heaven saying, but have you ever used the power that was available to you? Because if you use the power that is available up to you, my God, you can speak. And things will move. That was point number one. Here's point number two. I'm 24 minutes into this. What qualified Elijah? What qualifies you and I? What qualified Elijah? What qualified? What qualifies you and I in the midst of all of this to simply stand up and say, "No, I'm standing up in this darkness." I'm standing up in this wickedness. I'm standing up in this perversion. And I've got something that I want to say. What qualified Elijah was his secret life with God. You see, there was no need for a list of Elijah's qualifications. He was already qualified to do what God would ask of him because he already had a history with God. Elijah had devoted himself to knowing God the Lord in His ways. And the only way to do this is through prayer. So when God said to him, Now, Elijah was ready. So here's, okay, here we go. Here's the thing, and I'll get right back to my notes. The reason why a lot of things are not changing so we're not ready for them to change. Amen. We haven't prepared ourselves. We haven't made ourselves ready. Listen, I'm just, I'm just being completely honest with you. I am a believer of being ready. I, 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 am, a bel- I am a believer. It was, it was instilled in me as a young boy. When my daddy had his business, had his shop, had his car lot, and the people that worked for him, he expected people to be ready. If your shift started at 9 o'clock, don't come rolling in there at 8.59. You're late. You get there, you prepare yourself for the dead. And here's what I see. And I know this, I know this sounds mean. I know this sounds harsh. I know this sounds whatever adjective that you want to use there. 
But Christians will prepare themselves for everything else but coming into the house of God. Uh-huh. Yeah. Amen. Sure. You've heard me say this, and, I, and, and listen, and nobody fall out with me. I go to a lot of churches as a, an evangelist, and people ain't walking in the door till two minutes before time for service to start. Because it's no big deal. It's no big deal. We get up on Sunday morning. Come on, I'm preaching better than your shout right now. We get up on Sunday morning. We start getting ready. And listen, I've been guilty of it. How many times can I hit that snooze button before I can actually get up and make it to church on time? I've been guilty of that. So I'm, pre- I'm preaching to me. But we don't get up to shoot. We don't pray. We don't pray for the service. Oh, we may offer up one of those half-hearted on the way here. Oh, Lord, I hope we have a good service. I know it sounds like that I'm mean. But I'm hoping to stir something on the inside of service, Come walk into the church. I've been in churches all across this country. They don't know what they're going to sing. They don't know what they're going to preach. They don't know anything. And then we're just trying to filter our way through it. And then we leave and we wonder why the services seem dry, why the services seem dead. Oh, by the way, can I just can I just hit this and then you know everybody can get back if they want to? And then realize when why visitors come and they never want to come back because they say, man, that was just a mess. But Elijah prepared himself so that when God said it's time, he was able to stand up and he was ready. God can't use you if you're not ready. God can't use you if you're not ready. But here's the thing, all over the world there are ordinary Christians like Elijah who, are, who have quietly and diligently have hidden their life with God. It's these people who God is looking at and saying, you know what, they're not worried about the cultural trends. They're not worried about being cool. They're not worried about being hip. They're not worried about putting their finger to the wind to see which direction the political winds in the church are blowing. But they're attentive to make sure that they put no voices above mine. And right now, those are the men and the women in these last days that God is going to move upon to bring about the change in this nation and in this world. Okay, here we go. I know we got our favorite preachers. I know we got our favorite, we got our favorite people that we like to listen to on YouTube. We got to like to listen to them on TVM. We like to listen to them on Daystar and all that kind of stuff. But do not be surprised if God doesn't use one of those voices to usher in the greatest revival that this nation and this world will ever see before he comes back and sits on this kingdom. 
You know what he'll do? He'll reach down into a holler somewhere. That ain't got no education. That don't care about the money. That ain't looking for somebody to sow another thousand dollar seed into their ministry. That ain't looking to buy another Learjet. They ain't looking. They ain't looking to. They ain't looking for for for, for five hundred more partners so that they can sit in the house and not do any real work. Yes, that's right. But God will reach down into a holler somewhere and say, "I've seen that old boy. I've seen that old girl that everybody else has written off." That the denominations didn't care for because they didn't have the pedigree. And they didn't go through all the classes. And they didn't go. And I'm not against education. And I'm not against classes. I believe that you ought to get all the ministerial training that you should get. But listen, listen. There's not a, there, there, right now there's a high premium on ignorance. I'm not asking you to be ignorant. But I'm asking you to listen to the Spirit of God. Make yourself available to the Spirit of God. Make yourself to the voice of God. Get all the education that you can get. Get all the training that you can get. But when it's all said and done, God will bypass your education. God will bypass your intellect. And he'll go right to the heart of the matter and say, will that be a man or a woman who will listen to my spirit? Oh, I got to hurry up with this. You and I will never stand unafraid before any dark power unless we have first stood in the light of God's presence. I want to say that again. You and I will never stand unafraid before any dark power unless we have stood first in the light of God's presence. You know something that I uncovered yesterday? You may already know this, but I uncovered yesterday and it just blew me away. You remember Moses? Moses came down off the mountain with the Ten Commandments. He was in the presence of the Lord and the Bible says that his face shone with the glory of God. Do you know that that was a continual thing that happened with Moses? That wasn't one thing. That wasn't a one-time event. The Bible said that any time that Moses would go before the Lord in the tabernacle, he would take the veil off. Any time. So from that moment that he was on Mount Sinai and he received, and he received the law, to the time that he was on Mount Horeb and he overlooked, I believe... That he spent enough time in the presence of God that the glory was always on him. And see, now Paul comes along. Oh my goodness, I'm getting ready to unlock something for you. And now Paul says we as the church have a greater glory than what Paul had and then what Moses had on the mountain. I figured I'd get a better amen than that. You mean as the church, we have a greater glory 
than what Moses experienced on Mount Sinai. You sure do. Because now the veil has been taken away. So what that means is that any place that we go into, if we've been in the presence of the Lord, when we walk into Kroger, when we walk into school, Pastor Tony, when you walk into somebody's house to do their HVAC work, all of a sudden, if we have been in the presence of the Lord, if we have been in that secret place, in that hiding place, when we stand before the public, when we stand before the people, they ought to see the glory of God upon our lives. But you'll never be unafraid in the dark unless you've stood in the light. The Bible says and the word came to him. I'm going to try to finish this up real quick. I've only preached 36 minutes. Elijah's statement in this to Ahab contains a phrase that sounds strange. The Bible says in the Lord, as the Lord God, the God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. Normally, a prophet would attribute all divine reckoning to God's word, not his own. But here's what Elijah was stating. I, I, have, I am so immersed myself in God's ways. I have so immersed myself in the ways of God that I've come to know His mind and His heart. So when I am speaking, it's not actually my words that are speaking. It is the Word of God. I have aligned my own mind so closely with His workings that I know what He wants to do in this generation. If we would do that, there'd be a lot less of us scratching our heads going, I wonder what's going to happen. Oh my goodness, what are we going to do? When our finances take a tumble, we won't be wringing our hands, losing sleep at night. When our children and our family members are lost and without God, we won't be pacing the floor at night, worrying and fretting. And trying to figure and trying to figure things out. When we are sick, and when we are sick in our bodies, we won't be simply just sitting back on, well, God, I really don't know if you're going to be able to do anything or not. I really don't know what is going to happen. Because here's the thing: when you get so immersed in the Word of God, when you get so immersed in the ways of God, when you get so immersed in the mind of God, when you get when you get overflowed with the things of God, when you begin to open your mouth, you ain't talking out of your natural nature. You're talking after a supernatural nature. You're talking after a glory that has been imparted unto you. You're talking into a power that has been imputed unto you. Simply put, God had given Elijah divine authority. The words Elijah spoke here weren't something he learned from a master teacher, but they came directly from God. How else could he predict when the rain would suddenly stop and when it would start again just as suddenly? Yet as Elijah says, all these amazing things would happen at his word. 
The phenomenon we see taking place here right now is what we call a rhema word. It is called a now word. A rhema word, it doesn't come directly from scripture, though it's grounded in and aligns itself with scripture. It aligns itself with God's word. Rather, it's a word that the Holy Spirit gives us for the moment, for now. A word like that carries authority only, here we go, are you ready? A word like this only carries authority if it's backed up by the holy life delivering it. I wish I could preach about 30 minutes right there. But I just want to say it again. A word, listen, I will say this. Not everybody has a right to speak into my life. If I don't know you, I don't know your fruit. Now see, here's the thing. God, I got, God you got to help me out here. I'm 40 minutes into this. Let me, let me finish this in about five minutes. Well, did you see how many people got healed in their meeting? That's not the fruit I'm talking about. But did you see how many people got saved in their meeting? No. Did you see how many people they've got attending their church? No, I don't care. I don't care if they've got 10 or if they've got 10,000. I'm talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, there's, people get, there's people getting healed in all sorts of meetings. But the person standing behind the pulpit is so demonic. Well, brother, I thought, I thought that if good things like that were happening, it must be God. Let me tell you something. God can work in whatever situation that He needs to work in. But the miracles of themselves do not validate the man that is standing behind the pulpit. Let me see the fruit of righteousness. And if I can't see the fruit of love, joy, peace, meekness, long-suffering, joy, all of those things, you don't have a right to speak into my life. I don't care if you've got 10 million followers on YouTube or TBN. Brother Jeremy, keep on preaching. What are we doing in this hour? You and I have a divine authority You and I have a divine authority as we walk in this darkness. Let me ask you this. When the enemy, when the enemy comes against your family, attacks your family, what are you doing? To stand up and declare to the enemy that's not happening. Now I'm not, listen, I'm not talking about we all go through seasons of trials and testing. There's a difference. There's a difference between when God tests you, when the enemy attacks. You heard me Wednesday night preach on when God tests you. When God tests you, doesn't matter what you say, the test is going to be there. But there's a, di- there's a difference. There's a difference between God's testing and the enemy's attack. The enemy's attack is always in the vein of the steal, the kill, and the destroy. God's test is meant to perfect you. So understand the difference there. Is that okay? 
Understand the difference here? So what I'm talking about is those moments when the enemy comes in and the enemy tries to destroy everything. Everything. He tries to destroy a home. He tries to destroy a church. He tries to destroy a marriage. He tries to destroy a nation. Where are the Elijahs? Where are the Elijahs who have been the secret place? Again, we didn't know nothing about Elijah until this moment. Pastor preached a wonderful message this morning. See, Elijah got depressed because Elijah thought that he was the only one that was doing this. He thought that was the reason why he sunk down into depression. When you feel like that you're the only one, you'll sink into that depression. When you feel like that nobody else is doing it, like you're doing it, you're sinking that depression. But I hear God still say, I've still got a peak. That I'm wanting to rise up. There's a million reasons why we can't do something. Jesus, I challenge everyone that is watching, everyone that is here in this house tonight, everyone that will listen to this. If you are saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost, I challenge you to rise up in the name of Jesus and look the enemy in the eye and say, by the power invested in me as a child of the Most High God that will come to my home that will come to my family that will come to this nation see here's the thing Lord help me help me to finish this where am I at I'm 16 seconds over but I want to say this you declare the word remember Peter Upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I have given you the keys of the kingdom and whatsoever that you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Here's the key to that. Here's what binds and loose and looses. The word. It's the gospel. And what does it, what does it bind and loose? Are you ready? It's not Satan. There will be coming a time when Satan is bound. Satan will be bound a thousand years. But what does it loose? It looses men and women for the work of the kingdom. What's holding you back from walking in the authority that God has had for you. Stand with me all over this house. We hope you enjoyed today's message by Evangelist Jeremy Cook. If you would like more information regarding New Season Ministry, to schedule Jeremy to minister at your event, or to support the ministry with a love gift, please contact us at 859 404 4007.
or you may email him at pastorjeremycook at gmail.com. God bless, and we will see you next time on New Season Ministry. Thank you.